0: It was just the most massive thing I've ever seen. I, to tell
1: you the honest truth, I thought, well, we're the only ones left on this planet. Something's
0: happened. It missed something here.
1: The fear that went in me when I seen it was just, um, like, the feeling, I'd say it was fear, but I've never felt that feeling before in my entire life.
0: It's a weird feeling, like, you can't explain it when you don't know. You feel like you're being followed, but you don't know what it is.
1: We had two to our right, another one in front of us, another one to the left, and another one just across the road, shaking the
0: daylights
1: out All we get is a big red eye. I remember waking up and looking at the end of the bed, and there was a figure there, almost insect-like, and then I blacked out.
0: Welcome to the show, everyone. My name is Kate Moyer, and you are listening to the Believe Paranormal and UFO Podcast. If you have had an encounter and would like to share it, please get in touch with me. My email address is believepod at gmail.com. If you enjoy the podcast, be sure to leave us a rating or review wherever you listen and head on over to our website, believepod.com, and consider becoming a member to get bonus episodes and video content. Tonight, I'm joined by Tyson, and Tyson has got an... Absolutely ripper UFO tale to to tell us about Tyson. Welcome to the show, mate.
1: G'day, how you going?
0: I'm very good. I'm very good. Your email genuinely gave me chills, and you are one of the the unique individuals who kind of pull the camera out at the right moment and capture the evidence as it's happening. So for for those who are listening, Tyson's uh, encounter is going to have some video evidence, which. I'm going to include onto the website, if that's okay with you, Tyson.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. that will be awesome.
0: Yeah. Cool. Cool. So, uh, Tyson, tell us about this absolutely insane set of encounters.
1: All right. Well, it was about 12 months ago, February 21. And um, I was doing a lap of Australia and my brother was doing a lap as well. And we decided to go spend Chrissy in Tasmania. We took our four drives down there and COVID hit, we got stuck there, so we thought we'd pick up some work, um, started working for this uh, vineyard company, and we were constructing, building vineyards, and we ended up down in this little town called Campaign or Camp, I think that's how it's pronounced, on this property building, a vineyard, and one day, uh, we knocked off work, it was about four o'clock in the afternoon, and putting the tools away in the trailer, and I've looked up, to the east and there's a bit of a hill just out on the northern side of the town and this hill's about a kilometre away from us so it's probably about a kilometre high and I can see I can see this uh big orb just moving through the sky on the northern side of the mountain and I've pointed out to the rest of the blokes have gone check check that out what do you reckon that is and everyone sort of watched it for a moment and um palmed it off as a helicopter and I was I was adamant. I was thought uh, to myself, that's not a helicopter, and looked at my brother, and he sort of thought the same thing, and put the tools away, and and this thing's gone around to the western side of the mountain, so we can't stay out of our sight now, and we've ha- had some tucker and a couple of beers, and I was just leaning on the bottom of my brother's cruiser, and and this lights come out the uh come out the southern side of the mountain on from the western side, and I've gone look, there's that. Bloody light again, and um, pulled my camera out, lent myself on the rhubarb and just um, filmed away, snapped a few photos, and this light went up and down and moved around a bit. It was probably about a hundred meters off off of the land itself, off the top of the mountain, and, um, it, and then it started. And mind you, this is still in like on dusk. There's still plenty of daylight in the sky, and um, it, it started like. Uh, strobing like orbing quite bright and then dull and bright and dull and sort of like it was moving around the mountain a little bit um we and we watched it for a while and and at one point i wasn't we weren't sure if it was our eyes from staring at it for too long It started uh, admitting this um almost like if you could imagine what um a sonar would look like if if you could see a sonar pulse started emitting this blue um sprinkling light over the mountain like it was scanning the mountain and we were sort of me and my brother sort of spinning out a little bit and um, filming away and it's come around to the western side of uh sorry the eastern side of the mountain and um It started to look like it was landing on on the side of the mountain this this light and as it was doing that and it's still still strobing quite um the the strobes had actually gotten uh faster and and more like longer durations and um we we filmed that and as that's happening to the south of us almost directly above us all the all the stars started like twinkling, like quite, quite flashing quite rapidly. And we're all like, Oh, that's what's going on here. We thought something was about to go down and filmed away. Um, I reckon it, we filmed for about an hour and 45 minutes or something. It, it was now dark. Um, um, my brother had had enough and he climbed into his swag and I thought, Oh, I better, better climb into my swag. And, as I did, I I left the canvas bit open and just watched the stars for a bit longer. And um, to the to the east of the paddock we're camping in, I could hear these um, dogs running around. And there's a bit of a stream in that paddock, and um, which I sussed out a little bit earlier to do a bit of fishing in a couple of days prior. And I could hear these dogs barking in this paddock, and I thought they'd bailing up. Bail, bailed up some sheep or something because I, I do a bit I do a bit of hunting and I know what a dog sounds like when it's bailed an animal it gives this bit of a quite a hype it's yelp and um oh yeah and I could hear these dogs and I thought oh the dogs are bailed up some sheep and all of a sudden I just heard this like a dog just, just like yelping quite bad and then all the other dogs just went dead silent and I um I shut my pants. out and I zipped I zip my, cam- flip my cameras down, zipped her up, and went to sleep. And woke up in the morning, and I was a little bit shocked, and I had a bit of a yarn with the blokes in the morning. I was working, we showing the videos and stuff, and everyone sort of like shrugged it off a bit. Um, and yeah, that 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 was that, that everyone, yeah, everyone thought it was just a helicopter, but I, I kind of knew it definitely wasn't, and that that was the first. Part of the story that happened a couple of weeks prior to the the main event.
0: Yeah, that is such a, a fascinating encounter because there's so many witnesses to it, and the the fact that you you've actually got this this video footage of essentially everything that was happening, I think, is it's incredible because you know you hear people who have encounters like yours, and people say, "Oh, well, why didn't you get it on video?" And you did, and the footage is. Really, really incredible.
1: Oh, uh, I, I, if I had a better camera, I reckon I could have got a better footage. Uh, it, it's still almost the classic UFO footage, you know, where it's a bit distorted and stuff. But uh, it, yeah, most people don't get aren't lucky enough to capture capture stuff on their cameras.
0: Yeah, definitely not. And the the thing is with your your footage is that it you can see like the light. It does look like it lands on the. On the mountain, doesn't it?
1: Oh, definitely, definitely, and and I think what's the best part about it is personally is that I caught it with so much um, light pollution in the sky around it, so it was still in on that dusky part of the night. Um, if it was nighttime, people would just go, "Oh, it's a satellite, or it's this or that," but because it's daytime, I think it's a little bit more credible.
0: How far away do you think that potential UFO was
1: from? The rhubarb and my brother's Jude I was leaning on. I reckon it was directly a kilometre as a crow's, crow flies, and that's. I have had a look on Google Maps a while ago just to pull it up, just to double check with myself, and I think it was a kilometre or twelve hundred metres.
0: Wow, that's really close. Yeah. Oh mate, <laughs> uh, what was going through your mind? Because uh, for me, I would, I would be thinking something's coming out of that, mate. Surely. Surely something's coming out of that. And then you hear the dogs, you know, get attacked or, you know, get hurt by something that, oh, yeah, that's, I, that's scary. I,
1: yeah, that's that's what scared me. I, I wasn't really too spun out at first. I was sort of like, oh, some stuff's happening. I'm about to witness it. I'll capture it on camera. Um, but then, you know, all the action sort of stopped. And then when I heard the dogs yelp it was just after they yelped there was this really eerie just absolutely very still feeling the atmosphere everything was just paused and it and it made me feel uncomfortable so I locked myself in my swag and <laughs> hope for the best.
0: That's the the adult version of hiding under the blankets, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so mate, what what's the what happened after this? Because you say there was the main event that happened after this because to me I think that's incredible. You've got all this footage. You've got all these other witnesses with you. It's a shared encounter. Does it does it step up another notch, does it?
1: It steps up a little, a little bit more of a notch, yeah. Um, so COVID's hit. It's hit. It's hitting pretty hard now. And and my brother's like, oh, I need a bounce. I need to get out of Tassie. I don't want to be. We don't know how long this is going to go on for. I'm I'm going to bail back to WA. So he jumped ship back to the mainland, and I I decided to stay in Tassie and ride it out. And the, the bloke that we're working for, he decided to give me a um rent rent one of his properties so i wasn't just in my swag for the winter time in tassie which anyone in tassie knows it gets bloody cold and um he's given me this property in Rowella, just out of beaconsfield um just north of the batman's bridge and um it was just like pretty pretty simple it was ma- mainly like uh, where he stored all his machinery a couple of big sheds and just a single single room kitchen, bathroom, all, all the single bloke needs and um it was ju- yeah it was just a just a normal night, cooked dinner, I went to bed and um I, I was going to sleep and I was quite quite falling into this quite a heavy sleep and I was laying on my right hand side facing the window and I felt my doonas flip up over onto my side of my body and I pushed them back down. And I didn't really think much of it. And then it happened a second time, and when it happened a second time, I sort of was like, "Well, this is this is weird." And I opened my eyes, and as I opened my eyes, I was facing the window, and in the window frame was was a little alien, and um, it it actually really scared me because I felt like he had me under some kind of paralysis using telepathy. I, I could just I could feel that he or she was um controlling like you know making me not move. Um and then I've drift drifted back into sleep and I've woken up under the tree in the paddock and I when I woke up under the tree, i it was like I was really, really intoxicated or under under the influence of something, but my my head was still very sober and strong, but I just felt really um, fuzzy and blurry. Um, so I, I've gotten up from under this tree thinking like anyone would, what the f- flip am I doing under, out in the paddock in my undies? And I, I've gotten up and I'm walking back towards the glass sliding door, which is probably about 50 or 60 metres, and I'm halfway there. And then all of a sudden – um. These two people showed up in front of me. One went into the back glass sliding door and the other one came right up into my personal space, right up so our chests were almost touching. And all of all people, they it was a friend and his partner and they they'd split up ages ago. And I don't know why they they were there. Um, and then there was a bit of like a like a fuzzy, almost like static white noisy sort of visual thing that happened. And I could see that it wasn't my friend. It was it was sort of like a cloak or, or like a disguise for the, these aliens. And um, I've sort of managed to like muscle past my friend towards the back door. And then from the – it must have been from um, the east, this – this hexagon-shaped craft come over the top of the house, and it would have been only 15 meters above the house um, and into the backyard, which is just a just a paddock. And it's come over over the top of me, and it was the shape of a like a 50 cent piece, um, real sharp edges on it, and it had a couple of big lights, and I don't know, there was some emissions coming out of it and stuff, and. And it actually broke in half down the guts and one stayed where it was and the other half sort of did like a 180 degrees spin or a 90 degree spin and went up another 20 metres higher than it. And um, I was sort of like, am I dreaming? What's going on? This is this is heavy. And um, I've opened the back glass sliding door and stepped inside the house and then I felt absolutely completely normal. And I thought that was a weird dream and I – uh, and I, I wasn't quite sure I'm looking out in the paddock, nothing's there and I'm looking in the house, nothing's in the house. so I just climbed back on into bed and as soon as I laid in my bed I um I felt that really heavy heavy feeling and um I yeah and I was out out again asleep and then I, I gained consciousness and I was sort of coming up out of my bed. Uh, I can't really remember this part very well, but I, I just remember my face being about six inches away from the ceiling or away from right, away from a surface, and then I had um, gained consciousness again, and I was laying on a um, on like a chrome bench top, and um, I'm just gonna have a glass of water because I'm bloody yapping on, and. I'm laying on this bench top and there's one being standing. I'm laying on my side again like I was initially when I felt the blankets getting flipped over. And this one being, I felt like his job was to keep me in a state of paralysis and there was two more standing behind me. And they were sort of in like a white white room, pretty bright, lights, and they were standing behind me, and they were doing something to my um, uh, hamstrings. I don't know what they were doing, but they were doing something to my hamstrings and in my legs, and they, all three of them were wearing white, um, like, science trench um, coat-looking outfits, but I could see that they were not human, and one of them had, like, a, a... an emblem or, or a, or a marking on his shoulder that made me feel like he was the superior in the situation. And so I'm facing the one that's, that's got me in a state of paralysis and he's just very concentrated on making sure I don't move. And I can hear very faintly in my head, I can hear, um, a bit of a conversation going on. And then all of a sudden I hear the, the the superior officer or whatever he is in the situation say, in inside my head say this is this is my favourite part or this is my this is the best bit and the one that had me in paralysis um, lost his concentration which gave me enough time to just twist my head back to see what was going on and that's when I could see that they were doing something to my Hamstrings. There was two more standing there in coats, and the emblem on his shirt—I couldn't tell you what the emblem looked like. Um, and he stabbed this big thing into my thigh, and then I woke up. Him, I woke up in my bed, and I was sweating and carrying on. And I thought, "Fuck me, that was that was full on. That was insane." Um, it's probably about—I think it was about four o'clock in the morning. And I start work at six, so I, and there's no way I'm going back to sleep. So I got up, went to have a shower and I stepped out of my bedroom into the kitchen and I've looked down the hallway or like looked through the kitchen and the glass sliding door is ajar about 12, about a foot. And, um, that's when my hair stood up on my shoulder and I thought, fuck, that wasn't a dream. Cause I locked the doors every night living on my own. And I, and I just sort of spun out, hopped in the shower, had a, stood in the shower till the water went cold. And, um. I left for work early and, and got to work, and, and I told one of my workmates about it when I got there. He, um, he said, "Oh, tell us the full story tonight. Come over for a couple of beers and tell, tell us the full story." So I went around there, had a couple of beers, and I had a couple too many, and ended up sleeping on Rick's couch. And, um, and uh, the same thing happened that night. Apart from, uh, so I'm asleep on Rick's couch, and I've opened just opened my eyes enough to squint. And there's this alien standing in the middle of the lounge room. And I've, and I've sat up as quick as I can just to have a proper look to see, am I spinning out? Or looking at What am I looking at? And as I've done that, Rick's come into the lounge room and flicked the light on. And he's like, oh, sorry, bro. I'm just grabbing a glass of water. And I said, you weren't just fucking around with me then. You weren't, you know, standing in the lounge room. He's like, no, man. And I, I didn't say anything to him then um, about it, but I did later on at work and um, in on in both cases I, I can't pull it up because it's on my old phone but i got my tape recorder out and i just recorded everything word for word while it's fresh in my head i jotted down some drawings um, that morning as well um yeah it was it was an absolute spin out
0: what goes through your mind in In a scenario like that, because not only did it happen to you once, it happened to you the the very next night, and it's not even at your own house. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming
1: film, If Only in Theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news...
0: You'll get access to exclusive podcasts and episodes that aren't available to the public. Not only that, you'll also get our regular feed without any ads. Head to believepod.com forward slash plus to sign up today for just $5 a month.
1: Yeah, and it, it really, really had me a little bit concerned and worried because I was just, I was spending a lot of my time in my swag and I thought this could just happen anywhere, you know.
0: Yeah, and that's the that's the scary part of it all really because you know, it all kind of seems to seem to happen after you kind of had that UFO encounter. And, you know, it's like, well, this guy's seen us now. We might as well pick on him a bit.
1: Yeah, possibly. I, I I didn't feel extremely threatened by them, but I did feel like, um, there was a, a level of aggression that came with what happened, but I didn't feel like they really wanted to hurt me as such. um, I think they were just being a bit stern about whatever operations they had to go about.
0: Did you ever look at your legs after this? I and, and I know this might be the most obvious question in the world, but like, did you ever look for any marks or anything like that?
1: Oh yeah, don't don't you worry, I um I still do. Um yeah, I had a look. Um I I do I've I've always felt since then like my hamstrings have been really tight, so I do a lot of stretching most mornings and stuff like that. Um, but I, I I there's no markings, there's no scars, there's no burning or anything. Um, I did I did have a um, another little run in. It would have been about three months later, maybe I I ended up in um, Victoria. In my cousin's place, uh, once they opened the borders, I jumped back to the mainland, and I was staying at my cousin's place. And I was had a, a nap in the afternoon, and she'd come into the um, into the bedroom, and and I sort of woke up a little bit, and the same fuzzy that fuzzy um, white staticky noise you'd imagine that you'd see on the telly um, was her, and then it just glitched, and I, that's when I went, nah, that's not her, it's one of them. And I woke up in the middle of the night, and I had two oblong burns on either side of my wrist, and on the like insides of my wrist. And I took a couple of snaps of them. I'll try send them to you as well. And and I I spent the whole next day just thinking, did I uh, did I touch something on my car when I was underneath it, or did is there a way that I could have burnt them two identical? oblong burns on either side of my wrist and, and like uh, there's nothing there now, but that, yeah, that was, that was, that was the last of this encounter.
0: It is quite terrifying to think that these things have singled you out for, for whatever reason that may be. And they kind of have this almost, intimate knowledge of of things in your life like a an example of that is them kind of putting those mask memories into your mind that you weren't seeing them you were seeing your your cousin and his ex-girlfriend of all people
1: yeah that's that's what really puzzled me and and i i I sort of spent a bit of time thinking was this was this all just a really heavy dream and my brain's just gone through the files and found some faces and put it, put it to these things, but it it all just seemed too intense and too real for it to be just to be a dream.
0: And, you know, there might be people who are listening to this right now saying that, Hey, Tyson, you might, you may have had a, a bout of, um, uh, Oh, what's sleep, sleep, yeah, sleep paralysis. And you know, maybe that's what's just happened. And then maybe you right after you had sleep paralysis, maybe you went sleepwalking, you know, people what what would you say to people like that? Would you say that like did those thoughts ever cross your mind or you know that
1: are, de- definitely did? I, I spent my um whole teenhood Um, suffering from sleep paralysis. I'd have three episodes a week and um, it absolutely destroyed a lot of my life because I was so sleep deprived because I was actually terrified to go to sleep. And um, and what I experienced then was pretty heavy and pretty scary stuff, which I can go into another time, but this was definitely – Far from sleep paralysis, it was the the feeling of that heavy paralysis state was definitely there. But this there was there was too much. Um, it it just felt so physical, so so real. I I, I, I would disagree that I was sleep paralysis that I experienced.
0: Yeah, and you know what, you'd be the best person to to know that, especially being someone who has kind of experienced that. For a majority of your life, that yeah. you know you're you're going to be the kind of bloke who knows the difference between sleep paralysis and and not. Definitely. You wake up in this field. You're. Mm. You must have been spinning. You must have been just thinking, "What the bloody hell has happened here?" Yeah.
1: Well, when I, I initially thought that I'd gotten on the piss at the pub uh, in down in Launceston, and i because I'd done it a couple of times, I'd gotten on the piss, and I'd driven back to Beaky, back up to uh, Ruella, and um. Just climbing in bed drunk, and which is a bit naughty. But and I thought, because I woke up so, um, uh, I felt like I was intoxicated or under the influence of something, and just really heavy and quite fuzzy. I thought that I'd I'd gotten on the piss and and um, you know, maybe gone to take a piss under the tree or something before I'd got gone to bed and and something had happened. And but then then these those two beings rocked up and the craft above the house. And that's when I really started spinning out a bit. Um, yeah.
0: Did the creatures ever communicate with you when you're out on the yard?
1: When, so the one that came up to my chest, he, he disguised himself as my mate, Nathan, as the other one went in the glass sliding door. And that was, um, his partner at the time. And, I think he was trying to stop me from going into the house or I don't think there was any English words communicated. There was no, like, no conversation. I don't think so. I can't remember.
0: When you look at these scenarios, because I'm sure they, they kind of just play over in your mind over and over and over, you know, does does it make you kind of question Everything that's that's happened,
1: yeah. Sometimes because these scenarios play, yeah. Like I re- recap the story sometimes, and I come back to it, and other times I'll f- forget little bits, and other little bits will pop up, or, or there'll be things in my in my day to day life that will that will trigger certain things, and I'll and I'll go uh, memories of it. Um, I I have actually considered. I don't know, even know who or how or where to contact someone that's into it but I've considered getting hypnotherapy or getting hypnotized and, and chuck a tape recorder on the table and and actually um, see if they can dig into dig into it and, and bring it up to the surface and see what actually the whole the whole story if that's if that because I, I think I think people get into that sort of stuff when it comes to this these sort of events.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's a question I was gonna ask you is if you've ever considered uh getting uh regression therapy and you know, what, what do you think you would get from that? Like is do you think the do you think it's better knowing or kind of just remaining in the abyss of of the unknown? or
1: oh, I, I wouldn't mind knowing. I wouldn't it wouldn't wouldn't worry me too much to know exactly what went down. Um but at the same day, at the same time, sorry, I'm not um not too not too worried if I do or don't ever find out.
0: It's it's a good way to be because a lot of these encounters can can really bring on a lot of PTSD for a lot of people. And you you might be one of the most open people I've spoken to about this, because I guarantee you not everyone's gonna go down to the pub and talk about how they, you know, potentially got taken into into a, a spacecraft by by aliens or, or things like that and you know your your support network even seems quite on board with it all like I, th- I find that just so fascinating and you know quite rare it's it's a really almost positive situation you found yourself in after these kind of I would say essentially terrifying encounters.
1: Oh, definitely. Um, I. Yeah, definitely have a good support network amongst my friends and stuff. They um they sort of still still to this day they they go, Oh you know, whatever and I don't I don't, also don't just go tell anyone, any Tom, Dick, and Harry down the pub the story either if it sort of comes up and a few people are yarning about some bizarre things and I go, Oh, all right, well get yourself a pint, sit down and listen to this <laughs> one and <laughs> No. Yeah.
0: No, I I think it's great because, you know, so many people can be quite recluse when it comes to this and it's it's really refreshing to, you know, speak to an individual like yourself who has had, what I would say is like quite an intense set of, you know, paranormal and and kind of UFO encounters here and just be so positive about it because, you know, I, I speak to people every day about this type of stuff and... People see a UFO and they can go down an absolute rabbit hole of, you know, being obsessed with it. But you just kind of seem to take it in your stride.
1: Definitely. I think, I think if it was the very first time I'd ever seen some bizarre stuff in the sky, I'd probably be quite shocked and, and, and probably, like you said, I'd probably have some PTSD from what went on. But, um, I, I have seen some other stuff during when I was younger um, and, yeah, I think it sort of built a little bit of, you know, um, a, a tolerance almost or, or just an awareness of that these things are there and these things are happening around us and, and you know, some, some people would give an arm and leg to see a bloody UFO, let alone experience what I did and so I sort of just, uh, you know, take it, how it is and, and, I, and i'm happy to share it with people and let them understand and uh, what i went through or how i how i felt when i experienced it
0: yeah I, I think it's a it's a really good attitude that you've you've got to it and you know i think we're, we'll probably get you on the show again to to talk about some of your your very uh interesting other encounters uh because you know that there, there's some some yaoi encounters and i as he, the listeners would know i'm a absolute sucker for a good Yowie story. So, I'm always keen to, to get you on to, to talk about that again. But what, what do you think that you saw that night out on the, I guess, the yard?
1: I I seen three, I seen two in the yard, but and then in the craft, I seen three in the yard, I seen two extraterrestrials, and they were very, if I could explain what they'd look like, um, the typical grey alien that you would see and picked it in movies and, and, and in illustrations with the oblong head and, and the foot, footy-shaped eyes and um, real small slit for a mouth. These guys were more probably on the side of like a, a greeny, bluey colour, not really a grey colour. It was dark. I can't really can't really say that uh what exact color they were but i and and they probably stood they weren't tall and tall they were shorter than me they were all shorter than me i'm 175 centimeters so i think that's like just shy of six foot or something and so they were about my shoulder height shoulder height
0: would you ever want to see him again
1: <sighs> i've never really thought about that I uh, I don't, I don't think I'd have a say in it. I think if they were just going to show up they would show up and I think I'd be probably more um ready ready for it and I'd know what's going on I'd probably I'd probably try and engage with them or communicate somehow with them other than sort of trying to just remove myself from the situation um like I did that night um yeah if it was to go down yeah it would I would be cool I guess
0: i would i would always ask why me like why? why'd you pick me what makes me so special that there's you know seven billion people on this planet and i was the person that you chose to to tweak my hamstrings could you at least fix up my buggered knees while you're at it
1: (laughs) absolutely yeah 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 i don't know what i'd ask but uh yeah
0: well tyson it's been an absolute treat talking to you mate i um I think the listeners are going to get a a real thrill out of seeing the footage that you captured. Um it is I think it's I think it's fantastic and the the way that you documented everything that happened is really a, a, an honest credit to you because not everyone kind of has the the right state of mind to be so level-headed and and document things in such a I guess such a a professional way because you kind of re ran through everything that happened to you. Your sketches they're they're pretty great as well, you know. From from what you told me and from what I've seen, they are they're pretty much spot on. So, you know, I think if if anyone was to kind of create the rule book for how people should act when they have an encounter. I think they should listen <laughs> to this episode and go, you know, do do the Tyson protocols. Yeah,
1: <laughs> Yeah. I definitely, I felt, what I felt was like, all right, this is some serious shit and I need to, I need to do this proper. And um, I just, first, I just spat it out on my tape recorder and uh, as best I could played it back. And when I played it back, I realised I'd left quite a lot of stuff out. And um, and then I wrote a few things down. Yeah, got up, got out my sketch pad, drew a few illustrations. And I actually, I actually, um, uh, messaged an old high school friend who who was sort of into all this kind of stuff. And um, I just said, "Look, Sarah, just listen to me out." And I just dumped it all onto her because I kind of was a little bit concerned that it was gonna escalate to something greater and higher and and who knows I might be a missing person on the bloody news and so I just I just gave her all the information and gave her everything and um I just said if I go missing then you 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 you'll know what happened
0: yeah that's a that's actually quite a, a smart thing to do you know I, I didn't even think of that that kind of side of things of you know becoming a missing person when you have these types of things going on you know to touch to touch base with someone as a, a point of reference you know that's kind of genius
1: yeah I, I did think it was a very wise move
0: yeah absolutely absolutely well tyson thank you so much for coming on the show mate you were uh, you're fantastic to talk to and yeah like i said i think the the tyson protocols will be something that i reference fairly often going forward with uh you know, alien encounters for guests from here on out. Awesome. Cool.
1: Yeah. Likewise, Kate, it was nice chatting with you.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Believe Paranormal and UFO podcast. If you have had an encounter and you would like to share it, please get in touch with me. My email address is believepod at gmail.com. Finally, don't forget to follow us on all our social media outlets and be sure to join our Discord server to talk to other listeners of the show. You'll find all these links in our show notes. Thank you. Hold up. What was that?